Hello and welcome to the Worcester Observer podcast. I'm your host, Rob George, back from my holidays. I'm afraid it was only a one-week offer. You're stuck with me now until I next go away, which won't be till next year. So you're going to have to suffer my rantings and ramblings as usual. Lucky, Luckily, once again, here to balance it all out and provide some common sense in a world of crisis is Claire Bullivant once again. <laughs> That's the best intro I've ever had. I know. Common sense in a world of crisis. That's so not I me. Know. <laughs> I know. But I'll take it. Thank False you. advertising. <laughs> um, we are going to, coming up this week, we're going to take you through all the stories you'd see on WorcesterObserver.co.uk and, of course, in the paper as well. And we're going to start with some controversy, because I've been off for a week, I've been lacking controversy, so we'll start with some Alan Amos, of those of you will know that likes to stir the pot, now has called for a significant change of attitude from West Mercy Police regarding the way they deal with road accidents. Oh, goodness, road accidents... It's um, it's a tricky subject talking about road accidents, it, isn't it? It is. Um, and I think this is going to upset people. But understand that he wants to see the roads opened a lot quicker once the victims and once the injured have been taken from the scene. In no way is he talking about, you know, just keeping the road open whilst... A severe accident's been... It's the process after the scene has been cleared. That's true, actually. Sometimes they just close the road mm. for hours and hours and hours, and you look, you look when you drive past accidents, you're like, what? They could, mm. have, they could have reopened this ages ago. That's so, yeah. his point. Once victims and vehicles have been removed from the scene, it's unreasonable and unnecessarily disruptive to keep roads closed any longer in order to do some paperwork. Those are his words and not the words of the Worcester Observer. I would like... To stress, um, we followed it up obviously because it's quite interesting, and the police um, we wanted to give the police a say because I think it's very important the police have their say. And my thanks to Chief Inspector Jess- Jessica Luxley Clark uh, for a very, very in depth reaction, uh, which you'll see where she points out um, they work with other people to minimize the impact on road users, and they, of course, thank the p- public for their patience in some instances where serious injuries and even loss of life has taken place. It's something that's going to debate. Because I guess it's sort of like they have to take photos, don't they, and measurements. Well, because it could be a crime. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be, it's a debate. Uh, I'm not saying who's right, who's wrong. You may find Alan Amos's views totally contemptible. Many people do. Hmm. Uh, But you may actually agree with him on this concept. Do let us know, editor at worcesterobserver.co.uk or all our social media channels as well, because I think this is a thorny issue, and I'm glad we've brought it to the fore. I am too, but I'm sure the police will say, as they probably have said, um, that they do everything as quickly as they can, yeah, they don't they? Done. And they, they have, have certain procedures to go through. And I'm sure for most of us who are stuck in a traffic jam or something after an accident, yeah. drive past and go, oh, why has this been closed for that's, three hours? That's the point. So do read the story. I, I don't know if they'll ever get a nice answer, will they? No, no. Uh, I would say if you read it, do read the whole story and see what you think. You're going to come down one way or the other. There's no fence sitting Uh, on this one I don't think personally I think the police you know I don't think it's in in their cause to keep it shut for any longer than they absolutely need to Mm. Um, it's going to run and run I think this one Uh, as I said do let us know what you think as well Um, because your views are always important because we wouldn't be here without your views Um, turning on now now, I'm just going to show my age a bit because I haven't listened to Radio 1 for a good many years. 
But no, me. those of you that were listening Sunday night would have heard the debut appearance of not one, but two Worcester bands. Amazing. Baby's Got a Box of Matches, that was by Nuns of the Tundra, and Uptown by Ivory was both played within minutes of each other on Hugh Stevens' uh, radio show on Radio 1. And they're both from Worcester. Both from Worcester, Incredible. both active on the music scene. Congratulations, guys. I think I can say guys because I think they're all, yeah, they're all guys, definitely. Um, congratulations, guys. A brief, massive, massive exposure uh, through the BBC for both Nuns of the Tundra and Ivory Wave. Great names for the bands. They're really well. good names. And they're I'm just looking at names. the photos you've got of both the bands on page eight of this week's paper. And they look like really cool bands yeah, already, don't real, they? <laughs> really cool. Their, their style, their, they've already got the pictures. They, um, you, can, you can imagine them. Um, being like well-known bands. Let's hope they are and they're from Worcester and let's be proud of them. And the cool people have told me that Hugh Stevens is a very uh, champion of local music. Oh, brilliant. And up-and-coming talent as well. So hopefully this is a great platform. But this is, they've both been previously featured on BBC Six Music and with Steve Lamack and on Amazing Radio respectively. And I think Steve Lamack came to Worcester in January this year to check out our thriving music scene, which... As you know, if you follow us on Facebook, when Claire puts on the What's On list up there, it gets hundreds of responses. I can't believe the number of amazing bands we've got in Worcester and also the amazing live venues that we've got. There is just every single night of the week, there is just live music happening all about Worcester and also Malvern. Malvern's got a really kicking scene as well, but Worcester especially, it's a pleasure living here. It is absolutely fantastic and congratulations, guys. It's absolute... Uh, brilliant perf- performance and also if you go on worcesterobserver.co.uk and scroll through the podcast we've done take you back to last year we had the guys from the Worcester Music Festival on um, great great guys really enthusiastic talking about all the types of music they're bringing on and hopefully if we can we're going to try and bring them back ahead of the festival later on in September but that's way way in front because doesn't a festival music festival start this week the Worcester Festival, oh, not just music, right. it's Okay, everything. that's everything, yeah. And then the Music Festival. Worcester is Music Festival later on in the year, raising money for charity. Brilliant. It's just, it's a city full of festivals. And with that link, Claire seamlessly leads us on to the Worcester Festival, which kicks off on Saturday. No fireworks, as we've discussed on a previous podcast. No fireworks to end the festival. Oh, yeah, I'm a bit gutted year. about that, but I suppose I'll um, let it slide. If they put on a great show, of course. Well, if I told you there's more than 500 events in the next 17 days... How are we going to keep up, Rob? I have no idea. (laughs) They're going to have to give us some time off work to um, go and see them all. Absolutely terrific. It's all over the city. Uh, Back for its 17th year. The festival kicks off Saturday, runs through all the way to Bank Holiday Monday. Something for everyone. The um, arts, crafts, youth activities... you, you name it, it's there. It's all over the city. It's so well advertised as well, including my personal favourite, Aliens Love Underpants. Oh, really? What, yes. what are they? Is that They're going to be invading the Swan Theatre. Amazing. I'm going to tease that and just say nothing else. <laughs> Aliens Love Underpants. Amazing. And the Great Worcester Cake Off, as you know, if this was a visual thing you could see, I'm a great lover of cake. Um, and that is taking place on August the 17th as well. So we've got the Great... Worcester Cake Off, around the time I think the Great British Bake Off starts on Channel 4 as well. There's a plug Channel 4, just saying. <laughs> um, and Worcester Cathedral is offering the opportunity just to discover something different. That's not easy to say quickly. 
uh, with a fantastic programme of events, activities, quirky tours, workshops, exhibitions in the beautiful surroundings of Worcestershire, uh, Worcestershire Cathedral? No, Worcester Cathedral. Well, I suppose it's that good it could represent the county. Uh, also for your kids as well, school holidays, trying to fulfil six weeks and keeping them entertained. Um, the Crowngate Percy Trail as well, all the way through the Crowngate. Spot Percy, the mascot's face in the windows. Something fun to do. That is fun. Uh, but fanta- if you want to find out more, there's a dedicated website, worcesterfestival.co.uk, and call the box office on 01905 611 for more. All the stuff is on there. I've been on the Worcester Festival website. There's more than we could possibly stick in the paper, uh, but everything is on there, literally everything. Yeah, we missed um, some of it for this week, so we didn't receive it in time, but um, we have just received it. I've just received it anyway, so I'll do a big thing for a next week's paper fabulous. with all the events and things Quite as well. Fabulous. Yeah. And I remember last year there were some incredible comedy nights as well yeah. in Worcester, and I, that's always like some of my favourite nights. Um, so I hope they do that again this year. I'll find out, and I will let you know in next week's paper. Fantastic, absolutely. Um, I'm wondering where I was going next here. I'm, I'm I like your comment this week, Rob. I'm it's intrigued me. Every week, the first thing I do is go and read your editor's a comment. A lot of people say that to me. And I'm like, I want you to read the rest of the paper, not my <laughs> we do inane read the- ramblings <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> no, we do read the rest of the paper. Of course we do. But um, your comment this week, it's always nice to have a little insight into where your mind's at and what you're feeling <laughs> for the week. And um, yeah, tell us, tell us about that. I just think... what. The election of Boris Johnson was about delivering Brexit. The two things that are confusing me the most, all of a sudden this we're going to be out by October the 31st seems to be being watered down by the Prime Minister already. Hmm. He seems to be sort of, well, we want to negotiate and everything. All the sort of vim and vigour of the campaign of October the 31st, we're out, now seems to be well, we want to go back to the negotiating table. It worries me that you're confused because you're normally the one who answers all my questions about this. But so I <laughs> don't know if you're confused. I'm really confused. But I, it, it, I'm not wrong. No. I, I, I feel a softening. I think he's in between a, the devil and a hard place, isn't he, really? Because he, if he is adamantly you know, saying, we're out, we're out, we're out now, there could be the vote of no confidence and he could lose yeah. his seat. And the, uh, yeah. So I think he's having to kind of appease everyone, isn't he? But it? equally, uh, going on to the rest of my... Co- the Brexit party, they've announced 150 candidates already. They're putting a candidate in every constituency in the UK. That confuses me because surely that's going to mostly take from the Conservative vote. It's going to take Labour voters, of course it is. But Brexit, mostly, The Brexit right. party have done a great job in... Talking to Brexit voters and actually listening to Brexit voters, Mm -hmm. which I think is a stain on both the Conservatives and the Labour Party, myself, because they're not listening to their voters who voted Brexit. Mm -hmm. But if the Brexit Party stand candidates every single constituency and take from the Conservatives, my thought is, wouldn't Brexit be further away than ever? Yeah. Because it would deny the Conservatives the majority that they clearly need. Absolutely. It's, I, I just don't really get it. I That's, really don't get that it. That was my point, really. And they weren't, they, they're already preparing for a general... I mean... But I was listening this morning on the radio and they were saying it's too late to have a general election before the 31st of October. Yeah. Apparently. I think it is now. Categorically, they cannot do it. It's seven weeks and they couldn't declare one until the 3rd of September or something. I think it, I, no, because Parliament doesn't go back till the 3rd of September... 
And I think the vote of no confidence would have to trigger a general election. And then it's up to Boris when... But then I think Corbyn has got a week to form a government. If we're wrong, don't shout at us, because we've been, I've been constitu- reading the Constitution like mad for the have last you? few months. <laughs> I think if there's a vote of no confidence in the first week in September, Corbyn then has a week to form a government, which wouldn't happen because the maths is not there, as, as it's not for Boris Johnson's no deal. It's not there for Corbyn to f- be prime minister. It isn't. Mm. Uh, and then I think there, a general election can't be held for 25 days after Parliament is dissolved. And you've got the party conferences. So I think you'd go past the October the 31st that, That's exactly deadline. what they were saying this morning on the radio. But it's just... Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, it's a very exciting time in politics, isn't it? But very worrying and also scary. I don't, I don't think it's exciting because it's it ceased to be exciting for me because nobody now it's clear now nobody knows what to do next. Perhaps exciting was the wrong word. You're right. No, no, not not at all. I, I, I'm sure many hundreds, thousands of people think it's exciting because let's face it. This is an exciting period. It's a personal opinion of mine. I just, I admired Boris on the campaign trail because the vim and vigour he had, you thought, ah, well, you might not agree with it, but at least it's decisive. Mm. But already it's sort of, oh, well, um, and there's a, the cynic in me is thinking, was all that just said to get elected? We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, no, do we? we? we, don't, we, don't, we know. don't. I mean, yeah, he might have a plan up I his will sleeve. make a prediction on the podcast now is. We won't... I think he'll back away from no deal. And I think we'll get an extension because... On the October the 31st, because Boris will say, well, I'm having a general election to sort it all out. And he'll go to the people and say, right, this ends now. If you want Brexit, you have got to vote in a majority. Hmm. Because otherwise, it's gone. Do you know what I want them to do? Is bring back spitting image. I think now is I the perfect time <laughs> to have spitting image. I think it would explain a lot to us all if they did parody, parody it a little bit. Um, but they, aren't they all characters? They're all they, characters. They're all. Char- I mean, Por- Boris is a character, and it is. There are some characters, but I mean, politics is very bland at the moment. Mm. You know, take away Boris, you've not got a lot of characters you've got the jacob reese mogs but you look at the labor party it's bland it's diane abbott she's a bit of a giggle she makes me she's laugh she's not a character though. I mean, <laughs> she does make me laugh though you know she's not equipped to do her job mm. um but i just i i mean who was it uh, who was it um when henry kissinger won the nobel prize uh, I, there was an author now mm. i think it was an author said when henry kissinger won the uh, nobel peace prize and said satire is dead mm. Uh, I can't remember his name now. That's annoying because I'll go away after recording this and the name will come to me. But someone said satire is dead. And at times with politics, I think, yeah, satire is dead. Hmm. Because almost the satirical take that the comedians would have of politics is being played out every day at Westminster. Yeah, it is funny. But I just confuse, and I like the way the Brexit Party are going about it, but I just can't help thinking it's... It's an eggs-in-one-basket strategy because for them to succeed, they've got to get enough MPs to actually become the dominant party. Mm. Because if they just pick up, I don't know, 30 or 40, that's not going to change... I mean, if they swamp areas, and if we're talking 200 seats, that changes the dynamic completely. I mean, it may be that 
we have a complete redrawing of the political map and the Brexit party and the Liberal Democrats will... It's like the whole gun thing in America. Um, they, they can never get it passed. They can't pass these laws to no. ban these guns because they never have a majority. Yeah. Nobody in the House, apparently. They keep getting it to the nth degree and then finally at the last hurdle, they, it always falls down because the NRA is so powerful yeah. and you know it bo- they buy both parties. And I think it's almost becoming a bit like that in Britain, isn't it? Like it is. Now the Conservatives just have the one extra seat. One majority. One no. majority. Yeah, how will they ever get any decisions made? I think it's becoming very Americanized, isn't it? Well, John Major struggled, and he he went down from one to zero. Oh, did he? I think in '95. Oh wow! And he limped on for two years. How can you go to zero? Because then surely you don't have a majority, and you can't be the ruling power. It just it he managed to carry on. There was a lot of put it this way: there was a lot of Labour-backed government bills going through hmm. with Labour support, and that's the way to. Go, but he clung on and he went to the full five-year term and it, it cost him at the general election because people then just saw a tired government desperately needed to be put out of its misery. Mm. And that's what happened. But I'm glad you touched on the America, um, the gun problem in America because that horrified me. And the editor's comment was nearly about gun control. Mm. Um, well, Obama wrote that very um, moving sort of tweet the other night and whether it was directed at Trump I don't know but it was very poignant and he it was very presidential I think we've all missed that a little bit haven't we oh, no, just a but, tad um again he apparently when he was in power though he did nothing and I was saying to my American friends why didn't he do anything and apparently he did try a couple of times but yeah it was knocked down before yeah. he could even stand a chance because the and Trump being a Republican will stand even less of a chance to ever get anything moved. In well, that. I, I, you, I mean, you've lived in the States now for, what, 10 years. You, you know the day-to-day better than I. I've always just viewed it, though, as a, a Republican president will never do much because the NRA are the biggest backers. And the Democrat president can only go so far because in that middle ground of floating voters... If they think it's unpopular, they'll flock back to the NRA and then it costs him the presidency. Yeah, it's um, and there's only the two parties. Yeah. So it's always very, uh, very 50-50 in a way. It's, it's hardly anything in it. And there's never much of a majority in the House of Congress or no, Senate or no, anything. No. It's um, it's really difficult to get anything passed. But my heart, my heart bre- breaks. Oh, I, I can't even... I Some of the stories that I was listening to this morning on the telly, I mean... That baby, did you hear yeah, that? Yeah. It's just, it breaks your heart I and it's we'll so not, senseless. We'll not go into that story no. because I think it is. Yeah, it really is. I just, I, I mean, if we have got listeners in America, this is not the Brits telling you what to do. We're far from it. And if you ever see anything from us expressing our opinion, it's not because we're telling you what to do, it's because we actually love you so much. Mm. We love America just as much as you love our country. And we, we're also just not used to that whole gun culture. No. So for us But we're not telling you what to do. We're just mm. saying surely there's a better way of these massacres in every state mm-hmm. across a beautiful country. I mean, we're three week, we're four weeks away from the NFL season. I love the National Football League. I will be glued to it and everything. But it's against this heartbreak constantly. I love America. I've never been it's the aspiration of mine. I want to go mm. to the states, but it can't be right. This biggest, the biggest country in the world, people can't guarantee they'll be there next year because all it takes. And I don't buy this 
one bad guy with a gun, you need a good guy with a gun. Mm. No, you don't. No. I mean, we had one horrific shooting in Dunblane in Scotland and we put gun control in, in place. And what's happened since? Nobody. Yeah. There was, there was uh, an incident in Cumbria, but not on the scale. And the reduction has been... And it's just simple background check. Surely, I, did, I get it's in the Constitution and I don't want to get into the debate about the Second Amendment because people will say, oh, it never meant everyone to have a gun. And I, I'm not going to get into that. But I know it's in the Constitution. I know it's in the fabric of American life. But things change. I mean, we used to believe the earth was flat. And to be fair, if the government now did go against the people, the government would have all these drones, and I'm not, yeah. I don't think your guns, Americans, would stand up to the government's weapons yeah. against you. It's not for that anymore, is it? It's I just think, surely, everyone's rights can be respected as long as you do a criminal check that you're actually safe to have one. Yeah. But then you look at some of the... Recent cases, the recent shootings, they've passed criminal checks. It's easier to buy, in some, some states, it's easier to buy a gun than it is to buy beer. I can imagine, I can imagine. And this is a, a country where the drinking age is 21. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't agree with me, but please, America, if, you, if, you li- if anyone is listening in the States, we're not telling you what to do. We just want to help if we can. Mm. We want to just say to you, come on. Surely in this 2019, there's a modern way, because it's just not fair. I'm not going to get into the... We have to be so lucky to be in this country, though, and not have to worry about people and crazies out there with guns, really. Yeah. I mean, they do keep having... They had one recently across the West Midlands where the police offered up... They they said you can turn in any guns yeah, you have. Am- yeah. What's it called? An amnesty. An amnesty, yeah. yeah. And, um, but that's what I don't understand, Rob. Why do people hand over their guns for free? Just give them to the police if they've got these guns. Well, if I mean, what sort of people are they the that cynic, have the guns? The cynic in me would suggest that you know somebody's been passed said item. Oh, is that what happens? That would I be was, the cynic. I was just thinking, who are these people who, like, if you are a baddie and have guns? But if, it, why? if, if it's simply that you've inherited something and it's and it's an older gun, so it's just sitting and at you home just want it out of your house, and right. the police are offering to. Despite, I think that's the idea behind okay. it. But it may be to organise crime. It may be have never been used in organised crime. And it may be somebody going, I want to step away from that and change my life. Yeah. Because, because I, I, I mean, I read the other day on our, one of our sister papers, the Leamington Observer, and I think 11 guns had been handed in that morning yeah. in Leamington. And I was really surprised, thinking, oh, my goodness, who are these 11 people? Maybe it was the same person who just had just a... Just to pick you up on that, the West Mercia version of the campaign, Warwickshire mm. Police have been running it, and 11 have been ha- handed in in Worcester. Oh, was it at Worcester then? Uh, oh, I thought it was with, Leamington. With 14 in Redditch. No, it may be 11 oh, it in Leamington, be. oh, because okay. the, the amnesty's been run by West Mercia and Warwickshire Police, so it could easily uh, be them. But 11 in uh, Worcester, uh, 26 in Kidderminster. Oh, my goodness. And 14 in Redditch. Wow. And Hereford, you'd think, quite quiet place, 13. Wow-wee. Um, just before we move on to your questions in the mailbag, I think it'd be very important to wish uh, Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Trust Chief Executive Matthew Hopkins um, the very best wishes. He's recovering after undergoing his second kidney transplant, the Trust has confirmed. Um, he's a keen supporter of organ donation, and um, his transplant is believed to have come from a living donor, so we wish him and his family uh, well at this time and hope he's back at his desk. 
at um absolutely at a, t- at a time to suit him but um good news about that actually apparently next year everyone is going to be a donor and it's an op- it's going to be an opt out so everyone is going to be on the register and if you don't want to offer your donors if something awful should happen to you you can opt out obviously but i love that i think that is a better way i've i don't know about you but i've got i've racked my conscience over this because it's an emotive subject and I won't decry anyone that doesn't want to. And I can't, I'm still at a point, I'm 37 years old, I still haven't decided either way because on the one hand, I'd want my loved ones to bury me intact. Hmm. But then on the other hand, there was this cartoon that haunts me, to be honest, of somebody with a drip in clearly need of a transplant and the, the... body isn't in the ground and Mm. just saying you know not you know it's in the ground with organs that could be used to save another life yeah well the most people would be able to save nine other people that's that's what they say nine people in your body that's what you've got the capability but i don't care yeah they can have everything the only thing that i find a little bit weird is maybe if they take your eyes and I know that's silly. There's just something about no, I can taking your cordials. I can but I've, I've that. still written that they can have everything, but that's the only thing that kind of freaks me out. Everything else, I, I still don't. haven't decided, and I, I think I'm too emotive hmm. about it. I think I've got to have a serious conversation, and because that, I mean, if you go online and people, you can find the cartoon. It's it's haunting, not in a scary that's going to keep you awake at night, but it makes you think because it's somebody, as I said. We, in need of a transplant, sitting by a graveside, and there's a body in the ground with a tombstone and everything, and it gets the message across. There was um, an American billionaire or something who made a point, I can't remember what his name was, but he got himself buried with all his super flash cars, like his Bentley (laughs) and his Ferrari and everything, and then everyone was saying, oh, that's such a waste of money, we could have sold that money to charities and yeah. everything. And he actually wrote, had it written on his um, tombstone or something, no, you're all, you will bury yourselves with your own organs, which are far more valuable than my cars. Mm. So he did it to make a point about yeah. organ donation. Well, and apparently it did make a big point in Northern I d- California I somewhere. But I wouldn't decry anybody that chose it either way, because I think it's a motive and... You've got to be aware, and I think this is the thing that governs me more. After I've made my decision, it's then a loved one. It, I mean, touch wood, I'm going to smack the table. Sorry for the sound effect. Mm-hmm. Touch wood, it doesn't happen for a long time yet, but it, I've, I just keep thinking my wife or my son, you know, someone in medicine. Uh, sorry, I'm getting really choked up about this, and I shouldn't be because it's really embarrassing. <laughs> Don't cry, Rob. <laughs> but I've got to think of my wife or my son someone in medicine has got to say well he was a donor Mm. and they've got to have it at times I feel like is that additional heartbreak on top but you're right there's so much we can do yeah I mean the human body's brilliant it is brilliant isn't it you know who knew we were born to actually say well look with interchangeable parts that would come out and save someone else like even like livers and things you can have half your liver taken out and regrow it isn't that amazing i find that stunning absolutely incredible i've always said medical science i've had the utmost respect for and i can see why 
Right, before I start crying and embarrassing myself <laughs> any more on a podcast, let's get to your questions yeah. in the mailbag. We've just got one question this week, Ooh. or just time for one question, um, and it's from Dottie Woodruff. She doesn't say where she's from, but um, she says, Dear Mr. George, Ooh. we get our news from newspapers like yours, all the internet and the television, but where do you get all the news stories from each week? How do you find the stories in Worcester? When I'm older, I'd like to read the news or write the news, but I am not sure how to find the best stories. Oh, wow. So, And I think Dottie's seven. Seven or eight. Oh, wow. Seven and a half. Well, <laughs> Dottie, thank you so much for your question. Do call me Rob. Mr. George is really too, really too far. It makes me think I'm in trouble, <laughs> uh, especially if people use my full name as well. Um, it is a good question, actually, isn't it? It is a very you, good yeah. question. Um, I don't think we've, I think we've uncovered a journalist of the future already. Yeah. She had her first appearance on the Worcester Observer podcast. She yeah. may take over from me as editor. <laughs> One day, Dottie. Uh, One day, Dottie. Thank you so much for your question. We um, news news. The short answer is that news comes from everywhere. Um, you've got the council council press releases. Companies send press releases with their news. Uh, you then present it in to the way your audience want to read it. So, because for example, a company might talk about an expansion and go into the minute detail, whereas you, you will thin it down a little bit to say they're going to expand, they've got their jobs. The council, you know, they're going to do spend in the budget, the council tax is going up, and people, the first headline is how much do I want to pay? Uh, sports clubs announce new signings with press releases, so that's one aspect, the press release. The other one is the very old-fashioned, Dottie, and you're probably growing up um, not appreciating as much as this, but the phone as well as before we had Apple iPhones that cooked your breakfast and, you know, <laughs> booked your holidays and everything, you could make calls on them. Uh, people ringing up with stories and, you know, I, the best conversations I've always had with that you answer the phone and the person goes, I'm not sure if this is a story. And is that normally the good story? Because sometimes by the end of the conversation you're like, oh yes, oh yes it is a story. What happens if it is a rubbish story and you don't want to do anything? Yeah, but I do... I don't think, honestly, I don't think I've ever encountered that. In what if it's like um, Mrs. Jones saying, hello, my little Timmy came fifth out of seventh in his school competition? You could still do something on it. You could, <laughs> uh, so you're always like, okay, great, let me take the details. Yeah, but it's, Aww. they can come through the phone, emails. Um, sometimes as well, people send a letter. Hmm. And you're reading the letter and you're like, there's a news story in this. Hmm. Because they've suddenly, for example, going back to politics briefly, I think a, uh, maybe last year now we had a letter from long-standing Conservative voter in his 80s would abstain from voting for the first time in protest against Brexit. Hmm. Uh, but he'd been a lifelong Conservative. You could turn that into a story. But there's no substitute, I don't think, in going out and meeting people. Yeah. Um, because the best thing to do at times with people when, who've got a story is they've got a story face-to-face. -face. And you talk to them, they can see the whites of your eyes, and we can talk to people face-to-face. -face. Another aspect is court as well. Criminals, sorry to bring it down to uh, naughty people, Dottie, but there are naughty people in this world that go to court and you get stories from court. And do you know when they're going to be in court or do you just go you at can certain if you times? Follow, you can if okay. you follow it. Right. Uh, certain stories we tend to keep a note of of when they're appearing in court and then we'll attend court then. Is anyone allowed to go to court and sit in? 
Right. I think the general public are allowed. The general public are allowed to sit in the public gallery. The press sit in the press gallery. Oh, so you have a special press section. Press section at Worcester Crown Court is much closer. It's actually on the floor of the court. Oh wow! Um, so you well, you've you've got to hear what's being said, but it comes with a great privilege because mm. you need to understand that not everything said in the court can be reported in the court for various different reasons. And how do you know? what can and can't be reported that's your legal training i think we had a question a couple of weeks ago about the nctj we you learn newspaper law and there are certain things um that a judge will impose for example if there were cases involving children mm -hmm. um he can impose a, an order banning the identification of the children which you must adhere to mm -hmm. and the most common one of course excuse me i'm going to cough <coughs> The most common one, of course, um, is any sexual offence. The victim of that is guaranteed anonymity for the rest of their life. Oh, right, okay. Um, and you must never do anything to breach that. Hmm. Um, and this is where you've got to be very, very careful um, when describing the court case because you've got to look through your copy and think, is there anything there that actually identifies the victim? Right. Like an address, the age. You know, you've got to be hmm. very... Broad, but news news comes from anywhere. I mean, we back in the day when we were where we we were in Worcester, and we were based in Worcester, we'd often send reporters out and just just walk around, just look at notice boards. Yeah, I found a story the other day for one of our other sister papers in Redditch. I saw some a plume of smoke going up in the sky um, near where my parents live, and a farm was on fire. Mm. And um, they sent a photographer out immediately, exactly. and apparently this whole field had gone up in yeah. flames. And um, so, yeah, like anyone reports different stories. Anyone, and everyone <laughs> can be a journalist because some of the best groups um, on Facebook now, and I'm going to give a shout out to Spotted Worcester, fantastic group. People will put on, oh, I've just seen loads of police cars going up Hilton Road mm -hmm. or in Worcester. Well, then you fo you follow it up. You don't contact the person, but you. It's like they've given you an informal tip-off, and stories come that way as well. And often the police will only speak to you guys, yes, won't they? Yes, well, of the course editors. they will. Yeah. Um, but if you've got the information, because social media, when it's used as a force for good, can be a brilliant tool for journalists, and I think we have to embrace it a lot more. And have, don't worry about this. Dis don't distrust it, because people are inquisitive. We're human beings. We're always inquisitive. Mm -hmm. And I think that social media, places like Spotted Worcester, those two plugs, um, are great because people can be in Worcester, wherever it is across the city. Oh, there's a load of police at the end of my road. Mm -hmm. We spot that. We can follow it up. We can. There's, a news, there's often a news story in it. What's your best ever story that you've covered, do you feel? Oh, is that like asking the impossible question, like your favourite song? <laughs> There's, there are so, so many. One of the things I will always remember, because it, put, it was the amount of effort I put in over a long period of time. This is terribly blowing my own trumpet. I'm really sorry. No, these are fascinating. I'm um, fascinated. The, the man and woman, the husband and wife, accused of poisoning their son in Bromsgrove, Christian Blewett, if people will remember it, it was when I was on the Bromsgrove title. Yikes. They were called Ian, the Ian and Angela Gay. Uh, they adopted Christian and his two, uh, two siblings, and uh, Christian died. They poisoned him. And they were accused, 
No, no. They were accused of um, feeding, force feeding him salt and poisoning him. No. They pleaded their innocence all the way through. They were found guilty, but they went to the Court of Appeal. I followed the case, and I was in regular contact with a family member. Um, and it went to the Court of Appeal, and scientific evidence showed that actually Christians suffer from a condition, condition called hydrocephalus. Which is fluid on the brain. brain. No, they get the big head thing. Um, yeah. And, but it was definitive that he could not have been, possibly been poisoned by his adoptive parents, because three days after he, he was admitted to hospital, the level of salt content in his body was higher than when he was admitted. Oh wow! So, um, so did you feel right from the word go that they were innocent? Were you like a detective, you know, when you get a I, hunch? Do I had journalists no, get a hunch? I had no opinion. I just followed the court case. But the strength of feeling from the family that they were innocent, they went to the Court of Appeal and they won and they were freed. And it's then I asked the family and said, would they be up to speaking to us? Hmm. Um, would their pair be up to for speaking to us? And giving, them, giving us their side of the story, not, because, not just because of the court case and what they've been through, but the emotional heartbreak of adopting um, a child and losing three him, children, yeah. and then losing losing one, and um, I kept in contact, and eventually I was given the contact number of Angela Gay, and we rang. I rang and spoke and arranged, they, and they very kindly invited me to their house, and for two and a half hours, nothing was off limits. I was able to put what people were saying about them. And some of the concerns about their behaviour that were raised to them. And they answered every question honestly. And I think that still ranks as one of my, the most proudest moment. Because Mm. you followed the story to the conclusion. And you gave innocent people the chance to have their say. Because often it isn't just the story, is it? It's giving people, like you say, a voice to be heard. And, yeah, putting the facts out there rather than just what people perceive or yeah. make up their, you know, when they make up their own. That's well, that's often why I do think local newspapers are so important because even though, you you know, these things like Spotted are great, but often you can't trust what's on there, can you? People come, come to their own wild conclusions well, people, people about everything. I think it's important to say people don't know. Yeah. People put stuff on there. Because they don't know. It's why Why is this police car? Mm-hmm. You know, why is there a load of fire engines? Um, but it's a fantastic news source. And it's a great community mm. uh, aspect as well. And I think that's... We 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 tap into that quite a lot. And th- they share, ha- you know, they share our stories. They share the opposition's mm-hmm. uh, stories. I think I've always... News comes from everywhere. Um, but I think you've got to realise that news will always have a human impact. Mm. From the lowest point to the highest point, from you know jobs being created, oh, that's great for humans, who, there'll be more jobs available in Worcester, to death, and tragedy, and heartbreak, because there's always a human behind everything. Yeah. And I think we're storytellers. We, we tell people's stories often. And I think it's important that anyone coming into the industry, if they're listening to this now, Always feel, don't be afraid to feel the emotion because that will keep you your copy real and it will keep your paper very much at the centre of the community because people will appreciate the fact you've considered everything before printing. Mm. I mean, I've 
I've come out from inquests and I've shed tears. You've shed a tear today on this podcast I know, almost. I'm, <laughs> I'm terribly emotive. I oh, blame being, becoming a father. That's why you're such a good journalist, you see. You've got I blame heart. becoming a father because everything... But even before then, I've been in inquests and I've... And I think you talked to Tristan, who hosts our Bromsgrove podcast. Um, he will tell you the same. There are stories that will live with you for quite a while. Mm. Um, for Stuart Denley Maxwell, the councillor who passed away last month. Uh, not last month, I think it was June now. The time has, time has really flown. Um, his death... You uh, did a lovely tribute to him. But his death... It struck me, and it, I didn't realise how much it had struck me because I'd worked very hard, you know, cultivating him as a contact, but also, you know, as a nice person, you know, and to lose a nice person from your working world, world yeah. is quite... It is problematic. I mean, there are, stu- there are some stories that I can't still talk about to this day that... There's inquests I've been to that I find it very difficult to talk about, even to you and even mm. for the benefit of the podcast, because I think there's always a human aspect. And I think news can come from everywhere, but I think the day you become a robot is probably the day to pack it in, because if you lose the empathy and you lose the ability to care, I think you're not as much of a journalist as you once were. Well, it's nice to know that you've got so much empathy, Rob. No, <laughs> it is, because, yeah, you... you um you do put those messages out there for us all to read, you know, on a weekly basis, on a daily basis online. Yeah. And it's important that you do it with your heart. And I, I really like that. I think that's um, very just important. I need to jump on what you just said about daily as well. Um, thank you for reminding me. A big thank you to all of you on the Worcester Observer website. We finished July ahead of where we were last year. Amazing. So seven months in a row this year, we have beaten last year's totals for the website. So more of you are coming to worcesterobserver.co.uk and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Wow. And I hope we can continue um, growing and giving you the news that you want to read. We're getting so many young um, Worcester and Malvern people as well on our Instagram page. These for, are yeah, very which I popular. Love. Yeah. My wife's now on Instagram. Oh, I hope she's following she's us. She's taking some great pictures. Oh, hopefully she'll um, join our I've camera get, club. I've got, I've got to get on to it. <laughs> um, right. Does that answer your question, Dottie? Hopefully. I hope it does. <laughs> it That's our youngest question and asker. Asker? <laughs> and it was probably the longest Questioner. response, but it was a good response yeah, and a I'm good really question. S- I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to work on bringing these responses down i just love talking about journalism that's <laughs> the problem right we'll move on and we'll move swiftly on because as we ha- said earlier there's plenty going on in worcester and so it's time for claire's what's on worcester roundup for all the things to do and see this week it's claire bullivant with this week's what's on gate thanks rob Yes, we've got some fun things happening over the weekend here in Worcester and Malvern. My name's Claire, and let me take you through a few of my top picks. Starting off on Thursday, the 8th of August, and running all over the weekend, well, Friday and Saturday at least, it's the Worcester Beer Festival. And don't worry if you don't like beer, like me, there's also going to be cider, perry, wine, Prosecco, gin, all sorts there. 
It's actually the Worcester Camera, Beer, Cider and Perry Festival 2019 and it's all happening on the race course in the centre of Worcester. So no excuse, local national public transport is very close by and there's also going to be a music tent where there's a great lineup of local and national bands performing and you can also take your dog along as long as you keep him or her on a lead. It's going to be super fun. So if you like your beer, your ale, your Perry, your world beer, your wines, your Proseccos, your gins... You need to get yourself there. It's one of the best events of the year. And for all the details, go to worcesterbeerfest.org.uk. That's Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, in fact. Also on Thursday, another great event to go to is the Worcester Speakeasy happening at Paradiddles Music Cafe Bar in Worcester. I went to the last one of these and it's super fun. And I also met some incredible local people. There's so many talented creative individuals living here in Worcester and um, yeah I think they all seem to go to these speakeasies at Paradiddles Music Cafe Bar. Super fun, great night out. Thursday is always like the new weekend night isn't it? You can you can still go out and have a few drinks and you can get by on Friday if you have to um, <laughs> at work but it's um, a nice thing to do. Thursday evening go to Paradiddles, you won't regret it I promise. Friday the 9th of August, a great night over also at Paradiddles again. They've got a great lineup of bands, local and bands. Reuben Seabright's going to be there, Emmy and the Boatman, Chevy Chase stole my wife. They're going to be performing at Paradiddles on Friday night. Also over at Annie's Burger Shack, always a fabulous night at Annie's. The Abortum Mutiny and the Blue Dive, some great local bands are going to be performing there too. Simon Wallace, he's going to be putting on a show at The Vine in Worcester and Witcher, everyone's favourite Witcher. If you're from Worcestershire, Witcher are kind of like our local famous band, aren't they? They've performed at every single venue, I think. I've seen them a hundred times and every single time they're amazing, they're brilliant. They're going to be on at the Sociable Beer Company on Friday the 9th of August. So if you do fancy getting it out and about, definitely that's one not to miss. Over in Malvern, we've got the Hills Angels. They're going to be on at the Bluebell Inn on Friday evening. And Tyler Macy Trio, they're going to be putting on a show at the Wellington in Malvern on Friday night too. Moving on to Saturday... Also, a great Saturday night of live music. Aren't we lucky living in Worcester? There are just so many amazing live music events, and we've got so many amazing local artists and bands to appreciate. Kick the Clown, Sick of the Riot, and the Ernest Spears, they're all going to be on at Paradiddles on Saturday. The Clarksville Mountain Band, they're going to be on at the Chestnut in Worcester on Saturday. Silver Dollar Honky Tonk and Kate Ellis. I haven't actually heard of Silver Dollar Honky Tonk before. If you know them or if you go and see them, let me know what it's like because it helps us to review it for next time. They're going to be putting on a show at the Mars Bar on Saturday evening. And over at Huntington Hall, this is going to be fun. 27 Party. Basically, this is the UK's leading tribute duo to the 80s and 90s. If you lived in the 80s or 90s like I did and you missed those times, this is one of those nights that you've got to go to because you can crimp your hair, put on your leg warmers, and it's going to be an incredible night of 80s and 90s music. 27 Party, it's called, and that's at Huntington Hall on Saturday night. I'm going to be there, so I hope you are too. Also on Saturday, another couple of things to mention. Face Stealers, they're a great local band. They're going to be on at the Cross Keys in Malvern on Saturday night. And Andre Ruse, he's got his 2019 Maastricht concert happening at Malvern Theatres.
Moving on to Sunday, the 11th of August, it's the Worcester Show Bandstand event. This is where loads of local incredible artists and bands go and perform at the on the bandstand, basically, in the Galveltz Park. It's an incredible event. They do it every year and it's lovely to like take a picnic and a blanket and lie out on the grass and hopefully it's going to be sunny and it's just one of those lovely things to do isn't it this year we've got amy woodyard she's going to be performing chloe mogg i've saw chloe recently performing i think over at paradiddles she's incredible elisha green gringo blue and reuben seabright everyone's favorite reuben so it's going to be a great day there on sunday the 11th of august also over in Malvern, it's the Malvern Chase Brass Band, a very similar thing in the park there, Priory Park in Malvern, 2pm start, and basically again, take a picnic or just have a stroll around and listen to the live music. Also on Sunday the 11th of August, we've got the Will Killeen Band um, performing at the Imperial Tavern in Worcester, 5pm there, and Swamp Candy Live, they're going to be putting on a show at the Chestnut. I've just only recently discovered the Chestnut Pub in Worcester. Love it. What lovely people who own it, and it's always such a great atmosphere. Really, if you haven't been, check it out. I highly recommend it. Moving on to next week, Tuesday the 13th of August, just a couple of events for you. There's a vintage tea party happening at Bromyard Road Methodist Church that they want you to go to, WR25DL, on Tuesday between 11am and 2pm. And also over at Huntington Hall on Tuesday, it's about an hour, John Briley, the organ recital. Well known to Worcester audiences as musical director for many of the Shakespeare um, productions at the Commandery. You've probably seen them there. He's incredible, John Briley. He gives recitals in cathedrals, concert halls, all over the country, really. And here he is playing the lovely organ in Huntington Hall. It's an incredible program he's putting on. He's a, an incredible musician and he, he's just brilliant. It's going to be lovely. If you love your classical music, definitely get yourself over there to Huntington Hall. And this event is all part of the Worcester Festival. And this is all starting to kick into place now. Next week, we'll do a special Worcester Festival um, podcast, I think. I think Rob said earlier we're going to be talking more about it. Hopefully, we might even get them on here. You never know. But you can find out all the details on their website, which is worcesterfestival.co.uk. And, um, yeah, you'll definitely be hearing more from us all about it next week. Back to you, Rob. You're listening to the Worcester Observer Podcast because you have impeccable taste. Thanks, Claire. Another packed seven days in the Faithful City, which is only going to increase throughout August due to the Worcester Festival and many other things going on in Worcester. Thanks so much for listening. I've really enjoyed being back in the hot seat, even though Claire's nearly made me cry. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. But... uh, What say we do it all again same time next week? Perfect. We'll see you then. Until then, I think we're done here. Bye-bye.